Welcome to Community Hope Podcast. We pray that the Word of Christ would dwell in you richly as you listen and that you would be encouraged in Christ. And it's just great to be here. So as I was thinking about um, today, Easter, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this phrase came to me, what does the resurrection say? What does the resurrection say? Like, what does it speak to us? And all I could think about was how Jesus was planted in the ground and came up again. So the way up is down. And this goes against how we normally think, doesn't it? The way up is down. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And yet, you remember how Jesus started in Matthew and here in Luke early in his ministry? He had these really perplexing words. He said, blessed are the poor, down, for theirs is the kingdom of God, up. Blessed are those who are hungry now, down, for they shall be satisfied, up. Blessed are those who weep now, down, for they shall laugh up. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil down on account of the Son of Man. And then I didn't put the up, and for such they treated the prophets of old, and so they treated Jesus. You know, when I started thinking about this kind of blessing, I thought, Do you know, like, blessed is one of the largest hashtags on Instagram? There's, I think there's, like, are there pots and pans and dishes called blessed? There's probably clothing. Like, blessed is a very popular phrase. How you doing? What, What do people say? I'm blessed, right? Don't be stressed. Be blessed. And, you know, like, like, look at all these pictures, where it seems like we have we have a concept of blessing and i'm not i'm not knocking it but it seems to differ some from jesus's sermon on the mount when you read those words did you ever just kind of scratch your head and go ugh like that's that's not the christianity i'm signing up for right like that's for those people in those other countries, right? I mean, I don't know. I've been praying for some of the other countries because some people actually get bombed on Easter. They go to church and people see it as an opportunity to destroy believers. And the Bible would call them blessed. You know, when was the last time, parents, you taught your kids and you said, you know what? The way up is down. I know that you failed here. I know that you struggled here, but the way up is down. I mean, it isn't it. A couple years ago, there was this article in Parent Magazine, and what was interesting about it, it said there's an increasing number of moms and dads that are taking this real direct style of parenting with their children, and they're printing out a list of achievements, and they're giving it to their kids, and they're saying, hey, here's the things we want you to achieve by 30, Right? They also, many of them, uh, they try to adapt it to, like, to the child. It has some built-in flexibility, and some even have like a list number two. If it doesn't work out, you can always work off this list, right? And you wonder if these kind of parent lists ever included things that Jesus included when he went through the Sermon on the Mount, blessed. Because I think the cross says the way up is down. 
And as I look at the Christian life, it seems to apply all through the Christian life. Now, here's the thing. Do we seek it? Like, do you ever see the Monty Python movie? Is it just me that this is like one of my most memorable scenes in Monty Python where the monks are walking and they're doing some kind of chant, who knows what they're saying, and they beat their heads with a board? Come on, is it just me who's seen that little bit of, right? And then like one guy drops off at the end because <laughs> he knocks himself out. So, you know, when you read like, blessed are the poor and the hungry and those who weep, is this something we should just try to like hurt ourselves and go, I'm blessed, right? I've gone 40 days without food and water. Like, like, or is it something that just kind of comes to us in a natural way of life? I mean, I was thinking that of this post, and God bless you, Nora Mary, that, that you have matching outfits for this picture that was taken. And I wonder if they let them take it home, their outfits, you know. But um, Norm and Mary, and that's their granddaughter, both were hospitalized uh, this past week, and uh, their grandson posted their picture on Facebook, and uh, so I felt okay with sharing it. But suffering comes to us, doesn't it? Difficulty comes to us. Mourning comes to us. Like, like, you don't have to seek it. It will find you. It will come upon you. And um, it, it comes to us, and Jesus would say, and as it comes, you're blessed. You're blessed. Because what goes down as believers comes up and rises. So I just want to spend a little bit of time, I want to talk about how the way up is down, it's true of our salvation and our spiritual growth, it's true of our God-given dreams, and it's true of the end of our life. What goes up must come down, or should I say, the way up is down. Have you ever met with people who are in some kind of 12-step program and heard them use this phrase, you know, they just haven't hit rock bottom yet? They just haven't hit rock bottom yet. And what are they saying? They're just, their self-will is still running rampant. They, they just haven't given up and surrendered. Isn't it funny that, that the spiritual life for the believer in Jesus Christ begins with this, Lord, I've messed everything up. I, I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. It doesn't start up here. It starts down in the hole, right? And, and you know, many times when I do premarital uh, counseling, I'll say, you know, there'll come a day, it comes almost for everybody, where you don't feel this wonderful gushing emotion anymore. I go, that's when true love sets in. And they look at me. And especially if they're really like, what's that word, Jojo? Something out of Bambi? Twitter-pated, especially if they're Twitter-pated with each other because, because they, you know, they look at me like, oh, right, Pastor Doug, that may happen to other people, but it doesn't happen to us, you know. But truly, I've seen it happen over and over again, and in my mind, that's when you hit the bottom. That's when you go up. I mean, I can't imagine, here's Jesus on the cross, and he's doing it for love, and he's just gushing with emotion, right? No. Love is a decision, and love is a choice, but those emotions come back. The, those who mourn shall be comforted, right? But the way up is down. I, I remember uh, years ago, as I was coming to know the Lord, and I would read the Bible, and my heart would burn, but I also had other side activities that I would read the Bible and go, 
this isn't right. This doesn't jive with what the scriptures teach. But you know, God, you only live once. I'm young now. I've got to do these. Like I had all these reasons or excuses. And, and the Lord used car accidents to bless me. One time I hit a policeman with his lights on. One time I ran into my brother's car in the driveway. One time a lady looks, she, she looked like she made eye contact with me, but obviously not. She pulled right out in front of me and stopped. She couldn't go any farther. There was oncoming traffic. So I ran into her because I didn't have a choice. She goes, I didn't see you. I'm like, that's good to know because you pulled out in front of me and stopped. You know, there was, and, and then the last time I was driving and I think it was after a, a uh, a school dance, and, and a lady in front of me stopped, and I wasn't actually looking where I was going, and I did make our bumpers look like that. And it was there that I finally said, Jesus, I surrender. And that was really a big step for me in my sanctification. Do you remember times in your life where the Lord has brought you low, but now when you look back, you're, you say that low was a good thing for me? That I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't learn the things I've learned. If I didn't go down, I would never have gone up. And frankly, I wouldn't be here this morning if it probably if it wasn't for that car accident. Because that was a big step for me way back when. You see, the default mode of the human heart is to believe that it is strength that connects you with God. But the gospel says that it's our weakness that connects you to God. And only to the degree that you see you're weak are you strong. The way up is down. And I started thinking that the Lord, he, I had that car accident. I'm standing here. In a sense, maybe that car accident was for you. Because are you really blessed just for your own good? Or are we blessed to be a blessing? Are our lives like seeds, like Jesus talked about, that go into the ground and die, but then they come up and they bear more fruit. Look what he said. He said, and what, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? Oh, stream is over this way. Okay. Uh, it's like a mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on the earth, and yet when it's sown, it grows and become, becomes larger than all the garden plants put out. Uh, it puts out large branches so the birds of the air can make their nest in it. When was the last time you saw your going down moments in life as something that will truly bless others, truly bless the world? I was sitting with a couple, and Gretchen and I were doing some premarital counseling. And a lot of times I go through a pretty simple personality test because I believe acceptance is really massive when it comes to marriage, learning to accept yourself, learning to accept your spouse as they are. And, um, I, and we were talking about their personality, and somehow it flipped back, and Gretchen and I, and I said, you know, in the book that this test comes from, it says the most difficult marriage will be my wife and I's personality. Years ago, we, we led worship for a marriage seminar, and this pastor actually gave us this same personality test, and we lived out of state, and we just came in and led worship and then went back to state, and instead of sending us our answers, he realized we had the most difficult marriage, and he said, I really would have to sit down with you, and since you're out of town, 
like, God bless you. I'm thinking, what would he be telling me that would be any worse than actually be, you know? And yet, when I think about, some people go, wow, Pastor Doug, that counsel was great. And I'm like, well, it just came out of um, learning together. The, the beauty came out of the brokenness and the, the, the difficulty and the struggles came beauty and it blesses others. Tim Keller said this, um, said, uh, let's do a thought experiment. Assemble some businesses and some uh, political consultants. So assemble business and political consultants who have gone to all the best schools, who have worked for the best companies and campaigns, whose clients have been the most, uh, who have seen the most success. Bring them together and pose this question. I have a goal. My long-term goal is to be the most influential and famous person who ever lived. Centuries from now, I want the whole civilizations built on my teachings. I, I want to be at the center of the lives of hundreds of millions of people. What should I do to accomplish this? Assuming the world's greatest consultants took you seriously, what would they say? I mean, think about it. Would they ever say anything like this? Be born in obscurity. Avoid getting involved in any of the powerful political or economic or academic networks. Be tragically killed in your early 30s before you ever write a book. Of course, they would not give that counsel, but this is what Jesus did. Because the way up is down, and the resurrection proved it. And I couldn't help but think about all the people in the Bible who had dreams, but they never got their dreams by going up this, like, stair step. I mean, you know the story of Joseph, right? Now, our world says this, if you can dream it, you can do it, right? Or you can, don't dream it, be it, right? I mean, this is our world, but it, it seems like many times in the Bible, you have people who actually have to die to their dreams before they're reborn. I mean, think of Joseph, right? He has these dreams. He's going to be the leader. He's going to be, you know, his parents, his mom and dad and his brothers are all going to bow down to him, you know, and, and he's some cocky kid. And what happens? He, he gets sold as a slave. And then he gets put in prison unjustly. I wonder if he ever was like, those are the stupidest dreams I ever had, right? Well, this is, I, how could they have even, you know, been there? And yet, God has this time in his life where he, he foretells the dreams of other people. And he's able to give insight into their dreams. And you wonder what's going on in his heart. Like, God, if their dreams are true, how in the world would my dreams ever come true? Because I'm in prison. And of course, you know the story. His dreams die, but then God raises him up. Or what about Moses? You know, Moses was... Um, was raised in a palace, and I think he looked at the, the abuse that went on of the Hebrew people, and he's like, I am not going to let this go on. I'm going to take matters in my own hands, and he ends up killing some Egyptians, and then he ends up fleeing. His desire is to, to, to stop the abuse, but he ends up fleeing, and he spends 40 years in the desert being trained. He dies to his dream of trying to fix, trying to save his people. 
And then God raises it back up. Some, I, I bet there's some people here or some people listening who are, have dreams and they're like, God, help. I, I remember in, in my life there was a, a time where um, this guy on the right was my pastor. And uh, he said, Doug, I believe God has a call on your life. And when he brings it about, I pray that he does it in such a way that you never doubt it. And he spent a year teaching me what it's like to be a pastor. And he said, you know, sometimes people are able to just have that and they go to seminary and they do this thing and, and here they end up in ministry. But for other people, he takes them on this really circuitous route. And I pray that when that happens in your life, you never doubt it. And I remember um, not going the easy step route that God took me on this other route. And I remember being like, God, I have this desire to be in ministry, but it's six years out. And there's no ministry happening. And I'm in business, and I'm in sales, and I'm in Pittsburgh. And, and, and I, you know, God, I remember I spent a year unloading trucks at UPS as a college graduate, right? I, I, am I really going to be in ministry? And then he puts me in the business world, and I'd be like, Lord, this is good. Take away my desire for this. And the Lord would take it away, and it would come back. And I had to die to that desire. And you guys know the story, and maybe this is your story too, that, that when it happened, it happened so fast, I was shocked. I was like, what? You know, he's like, yeah, you're going to be preaching, and you're going to be worshiping, and you're going to be doing... I'm like, and God, many times, there are people who have dreams, relationship dreams, other dreams, and, and you feel like you're on a shelf. But I really believe that the way up is down and it seems like that's the way god works in our lives we're like here's my dreams lord i can't make them when i try to manipulate it to happen it just doesn't seem right but i'll trust you with bringing it about in your time and your way because the way up is down and it even happens in our inner world this way right do you ever think about some of these scriptures you know the dna of sin is selfishness isn't it and this means sin is fundamentally antisocial. Sin dehumanizes uh, the people in our lives. They're no longer objects of affection, but we reduce them to vehicles or obstacles. This is what sin does, doesn't it? If, if somebody is helping us get what we want, right? We love them, flowers, cards, everything. But if they stand in our way, we're spontaneously angry, and we want to remove them, co-op them, to put them back into our service. Do you see this in your life? Do you ever treat people like vehicles or obstacles? And this is why uh, the Apostle Paul would say, in your inner life, the way up is down. The way to not treat people and use people uh, but use things and love people is to put to death the things inside of you that want to just make yourself the center of the universe. Immorality, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, covetousness, idolatry. On the count of this, the wrath of God is coming. He's like, you used to walk in these ways, but now you must put them to death. 
Do you see that? In your own life, in your inner world, the way up is down. And yet, when you do put it to death, there's this real blessing. Now, if I just do like a little moment on how to put stuff to death, I find that if you just focus on trying to kill the stuff, it doesn't work. But let me tell you, when I focus on the love and grace of Jesus, when he shines brighter, when he is the one that I want to know, that I want to love even more than anything else, when I spend time with him in his word and he, he melts my heart with his grace, it, it weans me, right? You can try to fight something or you can just run into Jesus' arms. There are times, of course, to say no, but you put stuff to death by therefore having your mind set on Christ, turning your heart and your affections towards him. So I'm preparing this message, and I, I walked past the dishes yesterday, and Gretchen's still in bed, and this thought comes into my head. Are you going to preach about it, or are you going to be it? And I wanted to say preach about it, so Gretchen would do the dishes. But... I did it. Can I tell you, though, who Gretchen is? She hears me. She gets up and does it with me. And I try to shoo her away, but she, she just can't help herself. She just loves to do it better than me. No, I'm kidding. She just loves to do the dishes. She does it better than me. She can fit so much more in there than I can. Seven things on top, four things on the bottom, and it's ready to go right now. But do you see that? It's, it's so easy to talk about it rather than to live it out. And lastly, if it's true for our, our beginning and our spiritual growth, for our inner life, it's true for our dreams, it's also true for our end of life. I, I thought about what you said, Joel, on uh, Friday, on Good Friday, about your dad and the end of his life and how... The decisions, the faith decisions he had made the whole time um, built his faith. There's this kind of obscure uh, passage. Do you guys ever read Hebrews? They call it the Hall of Fame of Faith, where they go through all these people who have been faithful, faithful, faithful. But then you get to Jacob, and look, what, look at how he describes his faith. By faith, Jacob, when dying blessed each of his sons. Can I just say for a minute, when you've, have you had family members pass? And you go to be with them, don't you? They went to get a blessing. It's almost like a different, it, we don't, like they went because this dying person would stretch out his hand and say, this is a blessing. May there be, I think we should bring that tradition back again. You know, sure, you go to love and comfort, but what if, if they're able, they spoke up and just blessed the whole family? Jesus blessed us in his death. But here, this guy, Jacob, remember he has um, Joseph as his son, and then Joseph had two sons. So Joseph hears, my, my dad is dying, I'm going to bring my two sons to him. And, and um, bowing in worship, leading on his staff, he blesses the two sons. But can you see the picture from the 12th century? He's got his arms crossed. See, so you had this thing in that day where the older son got the bigger blessing. So the older son got more inheritance. He got more of the blessing. 
And so he brings the two sons close, right? So the dad's right hand would be at Joseph's left. So the older son is on the, his dad's right side, but Joseph's left, and the younger son is on the left side. You know what I'm trying to say. Okay, and um, here is here the dad crosses it, and, and look what happens. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. Why? He's the younger one. And he took his father's hand and he moved it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not, not this way, my, my father, since this is the firstborn, uh, put your right hand on his head. He's like, Dad, you're old and you're confused. And his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He, he shall become a people. He shall become great. Nevertheless, the younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. You know, you read the scripture, and it always, over and over again, it's like the younger is greater than the older, right? Uh, uh, right uh, Abraham, sorry, Adam's children, right? Cain and Abel, the younger one is better than the older one. Joseph's the younger brother. Like, over and over, the the older ends up serving the younger. And even Jesus, when he turns water to wine, and the guy's like, what are you doing? You brought out the good wine last. He's like, he's like yeah, the best is last. And, and I think it points to Jesus being the later one rather than the first one. And yet here's an old guy who gets it, that the lower one is going to be greater, that the way up is down. And on his dying bed, by faith, he says, no, this is the way it's going to be, and it's the way of the cross. And I couldn't help but think that all of us someday may be facing our last breath, and we read things like, heaven will have the wolf lie down with the lamb, or, or the leopard lie down with the goat or the calf lie down with the lion, and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. Can you picture this? I mean, imagine a zoo where they just put all those wild animals together. Do you ever have somebody go, I love nature, it's so peaceful? Well, one time I was biking with uh, Lutheran West class and Miss Whitrock, and it was with Ben's class, and they're like, oh, look at the bunny. And all of a sudden, a hawk comes down, grabs the bunny, pulls it up, you know, and like drops it. And they're like, oh. And I'm like, isn't nature so peaceful and beautiful, you know? And like, right. Um, but here... The, the, the way that our world is is going to be so different in heaven. And, and the cow will feed with the bear. And, and their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw. I mean, what? Can you imagine a heaven that's so turned on its head that little children eat, uh, eat, don't eat the animals but lead them? And look at a, a little child can put its hand into a viper's nest. And the snake that causes death loves on it. And when you and I, when we take our last breath, we hold on to the resurrection of the dead and we say, Jesus, the way up is down. You put this body in the grave and out of it 
will rise. We don't see it. We walk by faith, not by sight. But someday, the lion will lay down with the lamb, and I will have a new body. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, and I will be with you. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you that your resurrection speaks to us today. Thank you, Lord, that the way down, I'm sorry, the way up is down. Jesus, in your name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Community of Hope, go to www.cohchurch.com. God bless you today.